On today's episode, my friend and mentor, Diane Sanfilippo, joins me to talk about her new and expanded Practical Paleo Second Edition, the greatest benefits of a paleo lifestyle, tips for handling stress, and budget best practices. Today, I'm joined by an absolutely wonderful woman who has made an incredible impact on the world with her numerous successful paleo-friendly books, such as the runaway New York Times bestseller, Practical Paleo, her blog, podcasts, always fresh social media outlets, and healing nutrition-focused programs such as the 21-Day Sugar Detox. She's constantly producing top-notch content and has been a leader in our industry for the last several years. She's got an enormous heart, and I'm beyond honored to call her a friend and mentor. Today, we're going to talk about her Practical Paleo Second Edition, and we'll cover some of the questions you submitted. Welcome to the show, Diane Sanfilippo. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like that I can see you because you're giving a little ole dance I, to my welcome. <laughs> I do it. It's Oprah style. Nobody can ever really see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. Me too. I know that I know that readers are really listeners are going to be really excited to hear from you. Just in general, but especially about this new project, this new book that's coming out. Practical Paleo is really one of the most acclaimed books in paleo, gluten-free, etc. I'm I'm going there. I'm saying all, I'm giving it all the titles. Should the, they should see the faces I make. Like, oh no. <laughs> oh, it really has been. But with um, all things, you know, content evolves, and you're getting ready to release the new and expanded version of Practical Paleo. And I'd love to hear from you. You know, what differences are you most excited about uh, to really share with the world? Okay, so I'm going to start with the superficial stuff, just because I'm holding my first copy right now. And first and foremost, because this is what everyone will see when they first look at the book, is that we're releasing it in a hardcover as well as a softcover. So for the people who've had the book for a long time, they're like, yes, finally. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Um, but you know, a lot of people use it as a reference, as you know, only about a third or a little more than a third of the book is recipes, which it's still a ton of recipes. It's over 150 recipes now, which is a lot more than I had before. But you know, you're flipping through it constantly, it kind of reads and works like a textbook. And so the soft cover, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a new soft cover edition as well. And it's $10 less on the cover price. So that's definitely accessible for a lot of people. But the hardcover just feels really special to me. Um, so that like first and foremost, and then second, um, the, the photography in the book, I've reshot almost all of the recipes. Bill Staley reshot about 15 of the recipes that I can't even talk. They were originally all shot by him. I worked with him, uh, stayed at their house for a while, working on all the recipes. And so I had made and styled all of the food originally, but he shot the photos. And so now it almost, I mean, as you know, you shot your own book. It feels even more my own since I did everything with all of these photos. Um, and so that's really different. So even people who have the original edition, even the recipes that are in here that were in the first one, they look totally different. And so it just feels like a, it feels like a brand new book. I don't think anybody who has the first one is going to be at all disappointed that they get the new one because it's mostly not even the same. It's so different. Um, so that's just visually speaking. The whole book's been restructured content wise. 
So I restructured how all of the chapters flow together. I added two new chapters. I added a separate chapter on clearing up carb confusion. You know that's such a hot, mm -hmm. crazy topic. Everyone's really confused about carbs. So I have a whole separate chapter on that, chapter on uh, living a paleo lifestyle. So how we go from you know, the diet mentality to a lifestyle, incorporating stuff into your everyday life and maybe even reintroducing certain non-paleo foods. I also have tips and tricks for dealing with family and friends, whether they want to kind of make the change or not, or if they're unsupportive. So there's a lot of the new content is actually geared at people who already have the first book because it's kind of either a deeper dive into some stuff or it's stuff that I didn't cover the first time around. Most of what's new is not really targeted at people who never had the first one. Um, it's really targeted at those of you who have the first one and you're like, why do I need the next one? Um, there's just so much more in it that I think you're really going to love, honestly. Lots of new FAQs, over 40 new recipes. It's, my heart is racing right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And something that I really admire about Diane's business is she does an amazing job of asking for what kind of, what information do people want? You know, what questions do they have? She's constantly asking that. And I have to imagine that a lot of this new content was inspired by the questions you get regularly. Yeah, part of it, yeah, part of it is me asking. But honestly, you know, one of the things I really pride myself on and I try and instill in other people like you and like all of our friends and colleagues who want to ask me for advice, not everybody does, but um, I think it's important to listen and pay attention and read between the lines of what people are saying and also what they say without saying anything. So one of the things that people say in air quotes is what types of recipes they love the most. Now we know that everybody loves treat recipes and what you and I are both really not all about is treat recipes. I mean, it's not like we don't ever make them because we eat treats too. Mm -hmm. But what I pay attention to is do people, you know, do they love soup recipes, you know, meatballs, anything with ground meat, things that are quick and easy, you know, and know people love my salads. So instead of just saying, what do you want? I actually watch what people respond to the most. And that's how I listen to what people want. Because, you know, to me, if I ask somebody, <laughs> if I ask somebody what they want, what they might say is really different from what they mean. And so that's just something about me and the way that I like to, I don't know, move through the world is that I try and listen to what's not being said that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're gauging interest by that kind of interaction. That's that's interesting. I have a paleo diner breakfast plate in my book and the only reason it's in there is because whenever I post photos of my breakfast on Instagram, people love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so things like things like egg-free breakfast, which mm -hmm. and some of it is people do say the words, you know, I want this, but mm -hmm. egg-free breakfast were something that I wanted to add more of to the book. Um recipes that use ground meat and chicken breast even there was literally no chicken breast in the first book and because I wasn't eating any chicken breast you'll find there's still not really any parsley because I don't eat parsley <laughs> maybe a little bit um but really paying attention to those things instead of just thinking um you know what's quick and easy whatever it's really instead of asking people, I just know ground meat is something everybody has on hand or chicken breast is something that's really easier that we tend to buy and just keep on hand. So those are the types of things, spaghetti, squash, tomato sauce, things like that, that I know people will be able to use really, really easily. Um, and the other thing that I did with the recipes that I added was I tried to do a lot of not necessarily just one pot. Some of them are one pot, but more like meal in one dishes, which I think that's something that you tend to do as well, where it's like, cauliflower and chicken 
baked in the same pan and that's your whole meal if you want it to be, or you can add something else to it instead of just a protein by itself. So most of the recipes that are added, there are dressings and there are sides and things like that, little dips, but the bulk of them are entrees and they're like all in one meals. So really easy. Awesome. And those are great for leftovers, especially people who are trying to maximize their meal prep days. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I can't wait for people to see it because I've mentioned this before. I think I did an interview last week where Instagram wasn't a thing when Practical Paleo came out. And so I think it was brand new. And so nobody was really on it. I I remember the first picture I ever posted to Instagram was I was um, in Atlantic City for the weekend with some friends from the gym. And I think the book, I don't think I even had my first copy of the book yet. It was like, we weren't even there yet. But yeah, Instagram wasn't a thing. So I can't wait for people to get it and start cooking and almost like fall in love with practical paleo all over again, you know, because Mm -hmm. some people have had it for four years and maybe loved it for a year and maybe put it on the shelf for a while. And um, I'm just really excited to see people get excited about it again. Oh man, that's, that's so great. And it's going to, and the hardcover I think is going to go a really long way because it is, it's a resource book and it's one that you don't just read once and you have it memorized. If you are that kind of person, I envy you. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people, they'll have it on their coffee table or like their ottoman. And I have friends who are always sending me pictures. They're like, Oh my gosh, I just came into my friend's house and your book is in their kitchen or, and I just think it's so funny. But anyway, Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. And you put in new um, recipe tags, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, um, I think from the beginning, I always had notes on allergens Mm -hmm. in the book or commonly, you know, irritating foods like eggs, nuts and seeds, nightshades and FODMAPs, which I don't think anybody knew what I was talking about four years ago. And now everybody knows what a FODMAP is. But um, I added, so I have those. Now it's done a little differently where it's these colored icons. Um, but I also have called out any recipes that are 21 day sugar detox friendly. Duh. Like, I don't know why I didn't do that in the first one. I called out any that use one of my signature spice blends because I know a lot of people um, like to make them or have those available to them ahead of time. If it's a quick and easy, if it's party friendly, family friendly, etc. I think I have one for, I don't think, I know, for <laughs> freezer friendly. It says freeze me. Um, all kinds of little notes like that. And then an index in the back. So if somebody wants to just see which recipes are good for which, you know, which group. Oh, that's so great. That's great. It's such a neat way to navigate a book, you know, kind of. Yeah, it just makes it easier. I mean, honestly, most of the recipes are 21 day sugar detox friendly, but let's just say you're avoiding eggs. You can quickly see, okay, avoid this recipe. Or if I want to make that one, there's a quick modification I have to make and all the modifications are noted on the page. So, you know, I think that's something that I started when I wrote Practical Paleo the first time. And then a lot of people kind of followed suit because we know that folks who follow paleo diet, a lot of them do it because they have food allergies and intolerances. It's not really just a choice. So, you know, giving that extra bit of information, especially for people like you and I who are nutrition consultants, I mean, that's part of our job is to help people, you know, not just cook the food, but really make it work for them uh, physiologically as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I'm part of your protege team there. <laughs> We've got all of those modification tabs. That's so great. Really fun to write. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think people understand the pain that goes into it, but it's worth it. It's all worth it to make it, you know, really user friendly for people. 
It is. You memorize that low FODMAP list really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's wonderful. Okay, well let's jump into a couple of these questions and some of them about the book, some about you. And then I would like to, before we go today, I want to talk about our tour that's coming up. (laughs) Okay, so first question that came in for the lovely Diane is uh, this one lady wrote in. She said, being the only one who's following paleo in her circle of friends. Um, she has roommates. She says, how do you stick to it, regardless, even though the people around you aren't necessarily on board, um, and do you have any tricks for staying the course? Which sounds like this might be a topic you cover in the new edition. Um, I don't think I've covered specifically, I don't know if I did this one. You might be experiencing this. Once you finish it, you like block out everything that you wrote in <laughs> of those pages. Like, what did I say? Well, also, as you know, I've been putting content out for like more than six years. So sometimes I forget where I said something. I know Liz and I have covered this on our podcast a million times. So I definitely want to recommend that she checks out our podcast archives by topic. And I think we have one that's categorized as like unsupportive friends and family, basically. Okay or like non-paleo friends and family, something like that. So here's what I recommend for somebody who's sharing living space with somebody who doesn't eat paleo and doesn't really care about it. Um, And this is basically what I used to do as a kid, not even dividing paleo, just being like, don't eat my food. (laughs) So basically have a shelf in the pantry, have a you know, a shelf in your fridge and maybe one of the drawers, depending on how many roommates you have, and you label it with your name. I mean, we used to do this in college anyway. We just didn't eat all the same food. And just separate your food. I think that's first and foremost. Second, you know, I think um, when it comes to temptation, there it's really variable between different people how you're going to deal with that, what becomes tempting to you and what doesn't. And I often talk about how something like a Twinkie, at some point in your life, a Twinkie is no longer food. Like you look at it and you know there are people who eat it, but this is not an option of food for you anymore. And so you either get to a point with the foods that other people are eating and you know that that's just not something that you eat. It doesn't become tempting anymore. But outside of that, you know, as crazy as it might sound, let's just say your roommates are getting wings and they're ordering these fried wings and you know they're fried in vegetable oil make some wings at home. There's recipes probably in all of our books for wings. Mm -hmm. Make some wings. Do something where you're having a healthier version of the same food. You want to enjoy the social aspect of it. Just because you're not eating the same wings out of the box as your friends doesn't mean you're not going to be able to enjoy that social gathering. And I don't like for people to, you know, as often as possible, I want you to be engaged socially with your friends and your peers. But sometimes it becomes a bit of a a sticking point. And I think honestly, just heading off that issue beforehand as much as you can. If you're going to a party, bring something that you know you can eat. Every single time people bring a paleo or really healthy recipe that's super yummy to a party, it's always gone first. You bring the bacon wrap dates, they are gone first. Um, And so those are little tips and tricks. And I think outside of that, you have to find your why and be very connected to why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that it honestly gets easier day by day. If I go to a party and some of my old friends, let's just say from maybe like high school, they don't eat it all the way I do, but they know how I eat. And the stronger you are with what you do and the less, I guess, I don't know, but you just have to be confident with your choices. My friends don't question what I'm doing. And that's not a product of 
they wouldn't question somebody. It's they're not going to question me because they know that I stand confident in what I do. And if I want to make a different decision, they're also not going to question that. Like if I decide to dip my carrot into the buffalo chicken cheese dip with who knows what is all in there, then I just make my decisions. And part of it is also not kind of getting on a, a high horse or a pedestal about your decisions, just doing your thing. Because the more you kind of talk in a way that puts others down and makes your decision seem like the right one or the better one. And there's the worst one. Now you create a divide that you really didn't need to create. Just like do your thing and eat your food and try and divert the topic. If it keeps coming back to that, and you'll be fine. Killer answer. I think that's great. It kind of goes to the keep your eyes on your own plate sort of mentality. Um, I'll be at family gatherings and People will jokingly say, oh, Cassie, don't look at what's on my plate. <laughs> Just, oh, it looks delicious. <laughs> you do what you do. Exactly. And most of the time, it's more that people are, you know, they're more self-conscious about what they're choosing than they really care about what you're choosing. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of like, just don't pay attention to it. Just don't judge it and move on. That's great. Good answer. Man, that's killer. Did I get an A? I feel you're making a note. I did did I I'm rated? making notes. I'm gonna link to I'm gonna link to your podcast in that one in the okay. show notes so folks can find it. Um, okay, someone else wants to know what type of supplements, if any, do you use with your fitness routine? So I don't currently take anything that's fitness oriented. Um, there were times in my life when I took both creatine and glutamine, and something I might add back at some point. Um, I just did. It was something that I was taking with a trainer. And I remember thinking, is this crazy? And I look back and I'm like, I was pretty shredded. <laughs> um, but I was also 30. So I'm 38 now. Things are different. <laughs> things are different. <laughs> but right now, the only things I'm taking are some adrenal support. I am working with a naturopath. And in the next few weeks, I may end up with a new supplement protocol. I think I've got some stuff going on with my hormones just as a result of stress, which I've done my absolute best to deal with the stress of, of writing the book um, in every way possible. But there's an, there's an emotional element that you just can't subtract from the equation that I think takes its toll. And that's, it seems to be the thing that takes the most toll on me is just that emotional stress. But um, yeah, I don't take any specific workout supplements. And yeah, lately I'm not even doing uh, a shake or some kind of drink with my workout because I found that for me first thing in the morning doing a carb and protein shake I was doing it with my workout for probably about a week it just did not work for my blood sugar at all I do much better working out fasted first thing in the morning mm -hmm. I'm the same way actually um, interesting yeah I actually don't take it somebody asked they asked if I do as well and I don't take any supplements with my fitness routine that's just that it just works for me okay yeah. Um, what's the best way to stick to a budget when going paleo? <laughs> Has anyone seen the way I buy food? <laughs> I'm like a food hoarder. So I can give you tips, but I'll tell you what to do. But don't do as I do <laughs> if you want to stick to a budget because um, I'm not a food budget person at all. I, food shopping for me is like shopping without the guilt. Not that I really feel guilty when I shop, but at least I can buy things and then hopefully I don't let them go bad. So I have a whole section on 
eating paleo on a budget and how to shop in the grocery store in practical paleo. So it's tips throughout the grocery store, like what to do looking for. I actually separate it by protein, carbohydrates and fat because that's, you know, the way that you're sourcing your food. But number one, if you have a Trader Joe's near you shop at Trader Joe's, I mean, the prices are just great. They do have a ton of organic produce. We buy a lot of groceries at Trader Joe's. Yeah, it's in packaging. Here in California, we recycle most plastic, so it is what it is. But if you have a farmer's market near you, go at the end of the day because they're basically trying to unload as much as possible, like the last hour to 30 minutes of the farmer's market. But farmer's markets are great as much as you can buy that's in season. So don't try and buy strawberries in January. Buy strawberries in the summer. It's when they're in season instead of, you know, $8.99 for whatever a pint it's going to be like 3.99 or 2.99 it's gonna be a lot cheaper um in terms of like when to buy organic and when not you can use i guess it's what's it called now the dirty 15 it used to be the dirty dozen oh maybe it's still the dirty dozen and the clean 15 it used to be the clean 13 so whatever i've been doing this too long but you can find the clean 15 which are the cleanest Fruits and veggies that you can buy that are not organic. So when you're looking to buy conventional produce, those are the ones that you want to buy. And generally, the easiest way to remember if you don't have that chart handy is that anything with a really thin skin, that the fruit is exposed as it stands. So something like strawberries or blueberries or raspberries, um, those are better to get organic, whereas like an avocado, uh, maybe a banana, something with a thick skin that you're going to peel off would be better or not as bad to get um, conventional. So those are definitely things to look out for when it comes to protein sources, obviously sourcing from a local farm and buying a part of a share. So this is where really planning ahead, spending more money up front so you can spend less per pound. We were getting pork for like probably not even $5 a pound. Maybe it was four seventy-five, and we were getting mostly chops. You can't buy pork chops, pastured pork chops at Whole Foods for less than like $20 a pound, mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, we were eating, it was hashtag pork chops every day at our house for a while. And people are like, Oh, look at you. I'm like, Listen, if you think I'm buying these at Whole Foods, you've got another thing coming because I'm not crazy with things like that. I will say lately, we've been spending a little more on some flank steaks just because I haven't made it to the farmer's market as much because I am traveling so much, but that's a great tip for anyone. And then using the recipes in all of our cookbooks, when you don't know what to do with a certain cut of meat, most of us have recipes that can be used for, you know, any type of uh, stew meat, like a, a roast or, you know, something with a bone and, and all of that kind of stuff. So those are some basic tips. And I think, you know, just as a general rule, a lot of us as bloggers and authors, we post about a lot of products, right? Like we have our paleo mayos that we love and the cold brew coffee and all kinds of different products that are basically pre-made. Those are essentially like a luxury item. I mean, I don't have time, but I have the money right now. And there was a time when I didn't have the money and I had the time. And so I would have made my own mayo. I would have care to try and maybe make my own culver things like that but I was definitely making my own sauerkraut I mean you can have a huge jar of sauerkraut for like 25 or 50 cents instead of seven or eight or ten dollars for a jar and so those are the things where when you don't have the money you have to put in the time and that's what you have to be willing to do and you just can't complain about it like bottom line either you're going to spend your time doing something with your food or go get another job. I mean, when I didn't have money, you think I was work? do you think I've ever worked one job in my life? No. <laughs> um, so I think, um, I think those are all the tips and 
yeah, that's basically what I would, what I would recommend. That's great. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. There's so many people who think that paleo is so not approachable just because of the because of the perceived expenses, but. I do cover that too in the new book where I talk about like the paleo perfectionism and how, you know, even if you, let's say you're doing this for a few years and this person who's asking about budget, eventually they might be buying organic and grass fed because they found a way that works for them. They've cut expenses other places. Maybe they got rid of an expensive car or more expensive car than they needed. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to save a few hundred bucks a month if you change some of, you know, your habits. Um, But then, Often what happens is we try and preach this way that we evolve to as where people should start and it's not realistic. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, we can start with the basics. That's great. That's awesome. Another killer answer. Okay. <laughs> you think I talk or something for a living. About I, this stuff. I know. Wow. You're just so good at it. You have, you really have a career here. Um, what someone wants to know. What would you say, I think this is a good question for people who may be brand new to this conversation, but what would you say is the greatest benefit of following or pursuing a paleo lifestyle? Um, hmm. The greatest benefit, probably that you realize that, <laughs> that you were eating a lot of processed, not real food before. And I think even if you don't remain strict paleo, inevitably 70 to 80% of what you eat will always remain as whole foods because you get to this place where what you buy at the grocery store, the habits that you've created are, you know, you buy tons of veggies and fruit, you buy meat, you buy eggs, you buy some seafood, like you create a whole new lifestyle. So even when you perhaps reintroduce something or perhaps quote, go off the rails, as people say, you have a new base from which to start. You have a new perception of what breakfast, lunch, and dinner can look like instead of always a bowl of cereal and a sandwich and some pasta. We know that breakfast can be so different. And I think that outside of all of the health benefits, I think just that new awareness of what food can and should be, um, I think that's probably the greatest benefit. Awesome. I love it. Definitely shifts the context from where we make a lot of decisions. Um, Yeah. And for some people, they didn't grow up with cooking or real food. And I think that when you get your hands dirty, literally, you know, with cooking, um, that's something that's so empowering that it just changes so much about your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So you definitely have a lot of balls in the air and a lot (laughs) of things that you juggle. So someone wants to know, what are your tips for handling stress? (laughs) Narrow them down. Um, Well, I guess it depends on who that person is, you know? So for me, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, um, the things that I do all the time to manage stress, number one, I keep my, this is also part of my personality anyway, but I keep my fitness and nutrition as my priority. I don't, if I need to push a meeting back or I need to cancel, we had to cancel this recording because I had a migraine out of nowhere. I don't know what it was. I don't get migraines but I had a migraine and I was, I canceled the call. Like I take care of myself because I can't help anyone if I'm not taking care of myself. If I have a a health collapse or a health crash and I can't be there, you know, to support people, then I'm no good to anyone. So, you know, I'm not a parent. So let's just put that out there because I know a lot of people feel like they don't have the time because of that. But I do think that I see a ton of parents who are in the same position and take the same approach. And I honestly think that if, 
if that were my life, I would still take the same approach. I'm pretty unapologetic about needing to take care of myself. So um, I get my workout in when I need to, and I, you know, will cancel or push things back if I need to. And I don't need to tell somebody why. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel badly if I need to cancel on something because I don't feel well or I'm tired or it's just not the right time for it. Because I also think I'm not going to bring my best self to the call. I could have done a call with you with a migraine. I could have turned it on and I would have felt even worse after because Mm -hmm. I actually had a call that morning that I didn't realize how bad I felt until after that call. I was like, wow, I feel really terrible. Um, So there's that. And, you know, part of it is delegating out responsibilities. And I think that applies as a business owner or not. Um, If you have people in your life who are willing to help you with things, let them help you. There's no reason why you need to do everything. And I think the more you do it, the better you get at having, letting people help you. Because when we think we're the only ones who know how to do something, not only is that so damaging to ourselves, we're not empowering people around us. So a great example of this is, of course, I have a team. I have a lot of women who work with me. And, um, you know, more recently, probably in the last several months, I assigned out a task to two of the women on my team who one's an NTP and one's an NTC. So nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, and they're highly qualified to do this part of a project that I felt like I needed to do. And I was putting all this pressure on myself to do it. And the minute I released that, I released so much stress and pressure from myself, but I also empowered them and showed them that I believe in them enough to handle the work I let them prove to me that they can do that work. They feel great about it because they've contributed something that's to the level that they're capable of. And, you know, so whether that's even something as small as like my mom asking when I was living closer to them, um, do you want me to pick anything up at the store? Like it feeds her to (laughs) run an errand, you know, and she feels so good when she brings the coconut aminos over and saves the day, you know, and, and it sounds crazy, but I'm not asking her to go out of her way. She's asking me, do you want some help? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want help. And that, that does so much to help my stress and really just bottom line saying no to things. Literally. Um, I don't, I don't respond to my own business email. So if you put an email through the website, my assistant checks all of those and she sends me an email, you know, once or twice a week with a collection of the requests and 90% of them are no's. I say no to almost everything that comes in. And so I think that that's something that we can all apply, whether that's in business or in life. And I don't think that everyone gets there day one. You know, when you're starting out, you need to say yes to a lot of things and slowly you'll figure out the ones that were not right to say yes to. And, um, just being very, very judicious about how you give your energy away. I think that's so smart. One of the things that I do, to your point, um, as far as handling, because I could work all day long, every day. I love it. I love this work, but I have to, the same way, I have to set myself apart, go do my workout. I have to go eat my meals. I almost have to set, when I was working on the book, you know, little alarms on my phone that say, go eat lunch. Um, and that at the end of the day, those are the things that made me feel the best because the work would get done regardless. I was going to make sure of that. Um, but I needed to break and sometimes you don't think that you can. So hundred percent. And that was something that I learned too. You know, this is the fifth time I've written a book. Mm -hmm. Um, even though Mediterranean, I was a co-author, like my name is on that book. So I edited that book as if it were my own. And so, um, and I don't think any other time, I think when I wrote Practical Paleo the first time, I was doing this as much as I could, but 
your first time through is just really different. Um, it's mostly the same, but different. Um, but this time I knew that by the end of the day, like you said, you would get the work done. But the way that I would feel physically at the end of a day of book work, it feels like I've been jogging all day. Mm. Like my anxiety level is so high. I'm not, I'm, I tend to be an anxious person more than a depressed person. So let's put it that way. So I'm guessing you're the same. You're, you run a little high. So um, if I know about myself that by the end of the day of that kind of work, I feel really kind of depleted and tired. Why don't I get the workout done first thing after I've slept, get the workout done. I don't even have to think about it anymore. That's done. I've taken care of myself. I'm calmer. I can go through the day without that hanging over my head. And for me, that worked so well in the last six months of working on the book. Like I think that that, you know, I was in bed at reasonable times almost every night. Um, and I think that that really, it just helped so much making it a non-negotiable. That's great. And this kind of leads into another question somebody had. What would you say is your most effective go-to tip for relaxing at the end of a fast-paced week? So um, us, you know, we could, I could work every day, but sometimes I do take a day off. What are, what are the things you do? Yeah, and there is no, like, this day is the end of the week. It's just <laughs> the day that happens. Like, it kind of happens to me whenever it happens, I guess. <laughs> what day is today? Today is Monday. We're recording this on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Friday and Saturday, I did a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my weekend. Um, for me, honestly, unwinding is, like, putting on a robe because I can't bother with like clothes, you know, it's maybe a tank top and some underwear and then a robe, you know, really fancy. Um, and like watch binge watching Bravo on demand. I mean, that is for me, it's totally mindless. If I'm watching it, I'm not doing something else at the same time. Like it's taking up my whole screen. Um, for me, I mean, literally physically laying in bed and just like not feeling stressed at all. I would love to say it's going for a walk outside. It's what, but that is not the truth. The truth is that's what I did to just relax and unwind and kind of honestly, if I'm walking outside, my brain can still be on. Whereas if I'm watching something and paying attention to the story, it turns my brain off because I'm trying to pay attention to the story. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what works. That's it. I that's love it. Truth. That's great. Every once in a while, I'll take my weekend on a Wednesday. And, you know, if I just, same thing, if I just need to sit down and decompress in front of yeah, the binge TV, watch Netflix or binge watch something feels very yeah. against my nature, but I always feel like a million bucks the next day. Oh, I was so relaxed. It was great. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, we had some more questions, um, but what I can do is, uh, cause we're getting short on time is I can run these by possibly, and maybe we'll include some quick notes in the show notes, but I want to talk before we go about the book tour. Oh yeah. So Diana, your detail, <laughs> just minor. So Diane and I are hitting the road. We're going to start off in San Francisco on September 6th. And then we have, gosh, I don't know, a dozen stops across yeah. the nation. So we yeah. are, we wish we could go everywhere, but you know, they haven't invented the time machine yet. Um, but or the money machine, or either. <laughs> the money machine. If they could just make those go hand in hand, that'd be awesome. And a pill or a makeup gun. So I don't have to do my makeup every day. Just like, phew. Oh, that's anyway, such a cool idea. You know, my favorite invention idea is I wish I had a little beeper on my keys and my phone and my headphones. I always lose these things. So it would beep 
I think they make they make something like that. I'm pretty sure that exists. Oh, well, achievable inventions. Send <laughs> you an Amazon link. Thanks, Diane. She helps me with so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're going on this tour, and we're really excited about it. We're going to be all over the place, but starting in California, like I said, um, and we would love to, for you guys to come out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast, but it'll be the two of us together, and then Diane, um, Liz Wolf, and. Julie Bauer will be joining us for a few stops as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I think, um, so one of the things that we always do, well, I always do, I don't know if you always do this at your book signings, Kathy. <laughs> um, I've done so many events at this point, but um, it's not like you come to the book signing and you just line up and get your book signed. It's not like that. It's really more of um, about an hour, about an hour of talk and Q&A. And then kind of the second hour, just depending on how many people are there, the more people are there, unfortunately, you know, the less time we can really spend with that because we need to <laughs> let people get home at a reasonable hour. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about our books and then we're going to answer questions for a while. And I think that's kind of the most fun part. So it's really almost like a mini workshop or a mini seminar, which is super fun. Um, and yeah, just really excited about that. It's going to be so much fun. And we've got, we both got the lists on our website. So whether you go to dianesanfilippo.com or fedandfit.com, you can find links to all the events. It doesn't matter which one you go to. And be sure to RSVP so we know to expect you. Yes. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, Diane, do you have anything else you want to add to this, these lovely people listening today? Um, I don't think so. I think, you know, if anybody has questions or they want to come follow along what I'm doing, just make sure you're following me over on um, probably Instagram, but also you guys know all of these social media outlets basically are limiting what you're seeing. So if you really want to make sure that you are hearing from me and you know what's going on and you get in on, um, I do have like some book extras. So recipes that are getting cut from the second edition that were in the first edition, all kinds of stuff. Um, you really have to be on the emailing list to be able to get that information. And then you have to also make sure you open the emails. But we just email once a week and make sure you guys have everything that's going on that week and any special fun stuff, giveaways, all that good stuff, really. Email is the best way. So, And I will tell people in an effort to keep your sanity, I have a folder in my email box for all my newsletters and I check them you know, every few days when I'm ready to just kind of flip through and see what's going on with the people that I like to follow. So, you know, it doesn't have to be pinging in your inbox. You can have it filtered to a little newsletter folder and make sure that you, you know, sit down with your cup of tea and want to read through if you want that to be how you decompress and read through your newsletters. Um, that's really the best way to make sure you know what's going on. I love it. That's so smart. So definitely sign up for Diane's newsletter that would be great you can definitely find her on social media as well for regular inspiration and more of this direct no fuss heartwarming <laughs> inspiration and encouragement but thank you so much for coming on the show it's been so fun thank you i'm excited for our tour i am too it's gonna be the best you're gonna there's a chance you're gonna be tired of me but i'm gonna keep showing up i'll have my own room don't worry <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like Bye, Cassie. I'm okay, okay Cassie, now. you go to bed now. <laughs> oh, be man. Awesome. It's going to be great. Well, thanks again for coming on. Remember, you guys, you can find Practical Paleo Second Edition hardcover. I highly recommend. She also has um, the paperback as well as an option because she's just thought of 
it all. And so you can grab those on Amazon. Be sure to grab one. If you're coming to see us at the book tour, support the stores that are hosting us. Grab a copy there. Um, and we just, we can't wait to meet you, Diane. I'm so excited for you. I'm proud of you. I'm just so excited of everything that's coming up um, and for the world to have this another gem of a resource. So thanks for all you do and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, girl. Talk to you soon.